You know, February tends to be one of those days where we focus in on love and you see all the Valentine's Day thing and Hallmark making their money and, and selling flowers and cards and all that stuff. Um, you know, I was thinking about it and uh, over the years, especially in my years of youth ministry, one of the quickest ways to quench someone's fire for God is when they deviate from their relationship with God to the relationship with somebody else. And so this is why I believe in scripture over and over again, we're reminded of the importance of loving God. Now you think you wouldn't have to remind somebody that often, but it, it's so important that when Jesus was asked, hey, what's the most important commandment to follow? What was his answer? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength, with all your soul. He's actually repeating something that was written all throughout the Old Testament, particularly in Deuteronomy chapter 6, something that the Jewish culture came to know as the Shema. And the reason they, they wrote this out is while were they, they were in exile, God was trying to warn them not to allow themselves to go drift off into worshiping and following other gods and other people and other kings. And so the Shema was something that they would wake up on a daily basis and they would recite to themselves. This was a regular reminder that we are called to love God. And so over the next few weeks, I'm starting this little mini series that I've titled With Everything. What does it look like to love with everything? And if you're taking notes, the, the scripture that we're gonna look at today is in Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28. Luke chapter 10, verse 25 through 28. Listen to what the scriptures say. It says, one day, an expert of religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told them, do this and you will live. What does it look like to love God with everything? I think many of us in this room, I would have hoped that most of us in this room, we love God, but do you love God with everything? You might love God with all your mind, but do you love him with all your soul? You might love God with all your soul, but do you love him with all your strength? You might love God with all your strength, but do you love God with all your heart? And, and, and sometimes we read that and we kind of jumble it all together, but we have to understand that a human being is made up of many parts. We're not just one thing. We're a conglomerate of things. And in such, to love God fully and completely means to love God with everything that makes you up. And so the question I'm trying to answer today is how do we love God with everything? If you're taking notes, I'd like to look at each individual component and really begin to pull out what it means to love God with that aspect of your being. And the first one we see in Luke is to love God with all your heart. So what does it mean to love God with all our heart? When we love God with all our heart is when we love him exclusively, just him, him alone. Do you love God exclusively? Meaning, my whole heart is for you. I don't have a divided heart. I don't kind of love you and kind of love this. I don't kind of love you and kind of love them. I love you fully, completely, and only. In Matthew, Jesus recites what we read in Luke and states that all the commandments can be summed up in that one commandment. 
Let's look at it, right? Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. The beginning of the Ten Commandments, Moses comes down from Mount uh, Sinai, and he has the Ten Commandments in his hands. And the very first commandment, the very first law that God gives them in the Ten Commandments is what? Exodus chapter 20, verse 3. You must not have any other God but me. Now, we kind of gloss over that because when we think gods, you know, we think of like, Greek gods and pagan gods and, uh, you know, multiple polyistic gods. And, and, and so a lot of us are like, no, I don't, I don't worship any other gods. I don't worship Ra and I don't worship Ganesh and I don't, I don't worship those things. And praise God, I'm glad you don't. I'm glad you don't worship those false gods. But here's the reality. Anything that we prop up can be our God. Anything that we elevate and worship and adore and submit to can easily become your God. Your God may not have the same name that you think most gods have, but it is the one that you worship. It is the one that you listen to. It is the one that you bow to. And we'll get to some of those in a second, but let's go back to scripture. There's some other verses that really remind us what it means to love God with all our heart. Matthew chapter six, verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters for either you will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Money is a God. I remember one time years ago when I was a kid, I remember inviting my friend to church. I said, bro, you should come to church with me. He looked me dead in the eye and said, brother, I worship the almighty dollar. And I was like, cool. I don't know how to respond to that. All right, if you want to come, just let me know, right? But, but here's the reality. Again, I, these are things I don't think we say. I think it's just what the heart does. How do you know if you're, if you're worshiping money? Well, is it the driving force of your life? Is it why you wake up every day? Is it the motivation of your well-being? Is it everything that you surround yourself with? Are you sacrificing time and energy with your family because you need to get just one more dollar? Are you so driven to make sure that you make as much as you could possibly make, that you have no time for God, for prayer, for service, for worship, for anything else? Because guess what? I got to work. I got, I got to put in that overtime. I got to, I got to pay for, for the vacation home and I got to pay for the boat and I got to pay for my kids. Going. We keep adding all these things on our plate that we think, well, no, no, I got to pay for that. No, you don't. You don't need that many streaming services. You don't. And cable. And you don't need your internet to be that fast. So what are you doing? Downloading servers? Like you don't, but, but, but we convince ourselves. Why? Because we have to honor our God. We have to worship our God. Listen, Matthew chapter six, just a few verses before that, says it in this way. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how do I love God with all my heart? Making sure that he's my treasure. And when something else is my treasure, something else that I seek, that I look for, you have a divided heart. I'm not saying you don't love God with your heart. I'm saying you don't love God with your whole heart. That's like, again, let's, let's take it in terms that maybe we understand a little bit better. That's like me, and she's not here, so I can say this. Babe, this is just a, I'm just making this up. But it would be one thing to say, I love my wife with my whole heart. I just also love this other woman as well. I already feel like I'm in trouble. This is just an illustration. This is not, there's no truth behind it, okay? But how many know, if you know Sicily, that's not okay with her. That's not gonna fly. Because it's impossible for me to say, I love you with all my heart, but then I can also love this other person with all my heart. Then it's not all your heart, is it? It's a divided heart. And so if we're gonna love God with all our heart, we can't have other gods before us like money, like success, 
Yeah, success can be a God. When you're completely driven to always be number one, to always be on top. To, and again, there's a difference between ambition and worshiping success. You, should, you can be ambitious, but when it becomes all-consuming, that's your God. You know what's another God is yourself. When your whole heart is to please you, is to take care of you, is to make sure that you're good. And I'm not saying you shouldn't look out for yourself, but when you are your own God, when nobody else and nothing else matters except for what you want and who you are, then you worship yourself. Sometimes we worship things like addiction, things that, that we, we know aren't good for us, but we just can't say no anymore because they rule us. That's what a God does, right? A God rules over you. And so if your heart is after anything that rules over you beyond God, and here's the easy way to say it. If God ever says, I'm gonna take that away and you can't handle it, it's because you worship that and not God. We need to be able to hold loosely to anything. Listen, ministry can be a God. If suddenly I come over and say, hey, you know, I know you have this ministry and I know you love it, but we're gonna need you to, to help us in this area. Can you give us a hand and help us with this area? But, but this, is, this is what I do. Yeah, I know, but we got a lot of people there and you're so great and you got really good leadership. Can you just help us out in this one? No, I don't know who I am if I don't serve in this ministry. Well, then that statement is scary. Because who you are is in Christ, not in what you do for him. And so we have to be careful to hold loosely. Like even for me, like the pastorate cannot be my identity. This cannot be my God. And so if the Lord decides to remove me tomorrow, then okay, it's going to be scary. It's going to be hard, but and, and we're not planning on that. But Lord, I just, yes and amen. Because you rule over me. And I give you my whole heart, Lord. And that whatever you say, I'm following you. I'm not following anything else. So do you love God with your whole heart? Or is there a part of your heart that's been drifting? Second thing he brings up is to love God with your whole heart and your whole soul. What, what, is, what is really a soul? This is such an existential question. Oftentimes, you know, we can go really into the weeds. In the For simple sake, the, the soul is the will of a man. It's, it's the innermost being of somebody. It's the desires of you. It's, it's everything that encapsulates your emotions and your will. When we love God with all our soul is when we find our satisfaction in him more than any other person or thing. That's what it means to love God with all your soul. When you find satisfaction in him more than any other thing. Oftentimes, I'll hear people say things like, well, you know, I can't go to church on Sunday. It's my only day off. Well, church shouldn't be a chore. Coming to God's house and worshiping among his people and, and hearing his word and being challenged, that should not be a chore. That should not be, a, oh, I gotta get up and we gotta do it. No, no, no. You should find rest in his presence. You should find joy in his presence. You should find strength in his presence because it's in the presence of God that my soul is replenished. And so if that's not true for you, there's nothing wrong with God. It's you've misaligned where your soul is in love with. And your soul is finding satisfaction in video gaming at night. That's how I rest, Pastor. You know, I play three, four hours of games. I get on the headset with the boys. And, and listen, I'm not knocking you. I play a little 2K at night before I go to sleep. I unwind myself. But that's not where my soul finds rest. That's a way to maybe unwind but that's not where I go when my heart is heavy, when my soul is weary. See, when my soul is weary, I gotta be able to go to the only thing that can satisfy my soul. 
which is the presence of God. Matthew chapter 10, verse 37, takes it a little bit harsher for some of us. It says, if you love your father or mother more than you love me, you are not worthy of being mine. Or if you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not worthy of being mine. I love my wife and children. You guys know this. You've heard me say this long enough. I just don't love them more than I love God. And that's a crazy statement. That's something I have to challenge myself with because my kids are cute. It'd be hard if they were a little uglier, but they're like good looking children. So I like genuinely love them. <laughs> but some of y'all know. But, but, but how, how, do I, how do I truly love them? By loving the one who loves them more than me. Because if I love the one who loves them more than me, then everything I do for them will be derived from the one who loves them more than me. And so there are times, where, listen, I love them. I don't always like them. There's times where they do stuff, and I don't, I don't like what you did. I don't, I don't like you right now. I'm, I'm upset with you. There's nothing worse than a two-year-old slapping you in the face, and you don't know how to. My instinctively, I should smack you back right now. But DCFS, I'm, you know, I'm a mandated reporter. This cannot go well. And so there's not always what I like, but here's the thing. I love the one who loves you more. And because I love the one who loves you more, I have to treat you the way the one I love wants me to treat you. I don't always love my wife in the same way like like. I always love her, but I don't always like her. When she doesn't agree with me, I don't like that. When she doesn't do things I expect her to do without saying it out loud, I don't like that. She should read my mind. And so when she doesn't do that, I don't like it. But I love the one who loves her more than me. And because I love the one who loves her more than me, I have to treat her the way the one who loves her more wants me to treat her. You see what I'm saying? If you cut off the main source, if you cut off the one who loves more, who replenishes your soul, you're actually doing a disservice to the ones you claim to love. Psalm chapter 16, verse 5 through 11 says it like this. Lord, you alone are my inheritance, my cup of blessing. You guard all that is mine. The land you have given me is a pleasant land. What a wonderful inheritance. I will bless the Lord who guides me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I know the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and I rejoice. My body rests in safety, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You will show me the way of life granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forevermore. If you don't love God with all your soul, heaven is gonna be a huge disappointment for you because that's the greatest thing we'll have. If you don't love God with all your soul, then it'll be very easy for someone else to take it away. That's why the Bible says, what good is it to gain the whole world and yet forfeit your own soul? Well, what, what does this mean for, for my soul? It means I'm giving my soul away for what the world is offering me. And so the key to not being able to get bought, the key to, to being one of those people who, listen, you can't get me, you can't buy me because I've already surrendered my soul to the one who surrendered it to me. I've already given everything I love to the one who loved me first. And so this is huge because so many of us, we don't think we'll ever walk away from the Lord, but all it takes is for the enemy to pull your heart away or draw your soul out, and you're already halfway there. So we love God with all our heart. We love God with all our soul. And then there's an interesting one, which is to love God with all our strength. What does it mean to love God with all your strength? 
Well, we love God with all our strength when we hold nothing back, when it comes to our energy level and showing our love for God. It means that when we're using all our energy in vocation or in school, when doing it because it is pleasing to God to make the most of our abilities in him. To love God with all your strength means everything that you are lives in service to the king. First Timothy chapter four, verse eight through 10 says physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and the life to come. This is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. This is why we work hard and continue to struggle for our hope is in the living God who is the savior of all the people and particularly of all believers. To love God with all your strength means that all your energy is in service to him. That doesn't mean you live here 24-7, but in everything that you do, you do it unto the Lord. In every way that you act, in school, in your job, in your neighborhood, among your family, everything that you do, all the strength that you have is in service to the king. What does that look like? Well, when people at your job are acting crazy and, and you want to go back to who you were before Jesus, it takes strength to not punch somebody in the mouth when you feel like they deserve it. It takes strength. To, to, you know, there's a part that's like, you know, I wasn't always Christian and I feel like you're trying to get over on me. But the strength of love that we have for God says, I'm not gonna retaliate the way I want to because I'm gonna use all my strength in the service of my king. To, to serve God in ministry is a way of loving God with all your strength. Again, you know, I've often heard all the excuses. Well, you know, I just, I work a lot and, you know, my family and I just, I just don't have time to serve. And practically speaking, I guess I understand that. But this is what it means to serve God with all your strength. That even when you have no strength left, you still serve. And, you know, it sounds harsh. But like, can I give you just an example of just makes sense to me? There are times where I might be away on a trip or, or I might be coming back from a long day's work or you know, even like there are certain nights where I'll sleep two or three hours because of stuff that I'm working on and doing and I'll come home and how many know? Toddlers don't care how tired you are. They don't, they don't care what you're going. They don't care what your mental state is. You're home. Play. Time to play. My kids, the, the thing is, play in the bed. I'm like, oh, jeez. I'll be playing the bed, which means toss me, throw me, tickle me. And I come in and I have to mentally prepare myself for when, you know, that two minutes in the car before you walk through the door. That's me gathering my strength. Because when I walk through that door, I have to play with my kids. Why? Because I love them. And they're not going to get the short end of the stick. So even though I'm exhausted, even though I'm tired, to show my love, I play with them. Well, how much more should I not do that to my Lord? God, I've worked a long day, but I'm gonna muster up that strength to go into that lion's den we call Awana and love on those little babies. <laughs> that ain't easy. That's why I did youth ministry. Can't handle them children. But thank God for our children's workers. Listen, sometimes they don't even get to be a part of like this wonderful choir and Easter service Christmas. Why? Because they're back there with our babies. It's tiring, but they muster up the strength to serve their king. It's tiring after you've worked a long day's work and then you stand outside in the parking lot with negative 40 degrees helping people who don't want your help all the time and who aren't very nice when service is over. 
Listen, I know it's not easy to work 40 hours a week, raise a family, keep a marriage, and then come to God's house sometimes three, four times a week. It's not easy when you're exhausted from everything you're doing to spend time studying for the class that you're going to be teaching or the song you're going to be leading. It's not easy to get your kids ready. Oh God, I know it's not easy to get your kids ready so early that you can get here on time to greet people or to serve in the parking lot. We don't do it because it's easy. We do it because we love God with all our strength. Truth be told, sometimes the biggest battle to love God is not in our physical bodies, but it's in our minds. It's not just that you're physically tired, it's that you're mentally tired, which goes into the fourth thing, loving God with all your mind. We love God with all our mind when we make decisions every day to obey his every command. We love God when we obey his commands. First John chapter five, verse one through three says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has become a child of God. And everyone who loves the father loves his children too. We know we love God's children if we love God and obey his commandments. Loving God means keeping his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. I mean, you can't get any plainer than that. What does it mean to love God? Follow what he says. Oh, and by the way, what he says, it's not a burden to you. Sometimes we act like that. Sometimes we think like that. And again, let me just take this back. It's so funny, your mentality as a teenager versus when you're an adult looking at teenagers. Because as a teenager, you just thought your parents were holding you back. You thought these rules are like, you don't let me do nothing. And, you know, how come they get to and they get to and you don't, blah, blah, blah. We get angry. We get frustrated. And then we become adults. And I'm sitting there going, I don't know how my parents let me do the things they let me do. You ain't doing nothing. You're locked up, kid, like forever. On my hip 24-7. I told told some of my cousins I put them in the sermon. Last night we were having a dinner and... uh, one of my younger cousins, they were, they were having this conversation, how can she be when she dates? And she had a relatively practical answer, you know, about 16. And her father said, no, 18. And I was like, yeah, 18. You should at least be graduated from high school. And we're going back and forth. But this girl's smart. You got to be careful with the smart ones. She looked her dad dead in the eye. She said, did you have a girlfriend at 13? <laughs> you know what we hit her back with, though, right? We hit her back with the do better than us. <laughs> do better than us. Be a doctor. (laughs) Do better. Listen, if we're going to love God with all our mind, we have to decide every day that whatever you ask, it's yes and amen. It's not about my opinion. It's not about whether I like it or not. It's about understanding, just like we do when we get older, that the rules and regulations that we had were for our safety. I used to get mad like my parents would never let me sleep over anybody's house. Why don't you let me sleep over my friend's house? Why don't you let me sleep? How come you don't let And my dad's right. "You, You got a bed at home. Well, who cares? Let me sleep at somebody's house. <laughs> then I got older. I started seeing all the statistics and abuse, and I'm like, hmm, thank you. I don't think my dad knew that, but thank you, God, that you did that through him. <laughs> and I'm not trying to scare anybody. I'm just trying to say, as I got older, I understood better why my father would say these things. And as we grow in our maturity, we begin to understand that the commandments of the Lord are not burdensome, but they're for our safety, for our betterment. For his glory. First John chapter 2, verse 3 through 6 says it like this. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. 
If someone claims I know God, but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living in the truth. But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. Here's where he's pointing out a big problem. You cannot love God with all your mind and not know God. And you will never know God unless you know his commandments. Meaning, if you are not in his word, you know of God, but you don't know God. And so this is why people are living how they want to live, because there's interpretations of God. Well, I think God would want me to be happy, and I'm not happy in this marriage, so I'm going to divorce. Well, that's not what scripture says. I'm sorry, there is no point in scripture that's like, hey, are they really annoying you? You can divorce them. That's not how it works. But again, we think, well, God would want me to be happy. Where, where did you read in the Bible that God says that my whole point in life is for you to be happy? There is no scripture that says, I did it all so that you can be happy. <laughs> Happiness is not in the equation, folks. That is not the point. And yet we attribute these things to God because we don't know him. And so we make stuff up. And he's saying, no, no, no. If you say you love me, but you don't know me, you're a liar. Only those who follow my commandments show that they love me completely. In John 14, 23 through 24, <coughs> Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My father will love them and we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I'm telling you is from the father who sent me. I would submit to you that it is impossible to truly love God fully without knowing him. And it is impossible to know him without reading the love letter he sent us in the Bible. You wanna know the mind of God? You wanna know the heart of God? You wanna know the personality of God? You wanna know what God thinks about certain topics and issues? Read the word. You can't really love a stranger. And a lot of us, you know, well, I love Taylor Swift. Well, you don't, you don't love her. You like her music. You think she's cool. You never met her, you never talked to her, you don't understand her mind, her heart, her... You, you, you just know about her exes. That's about the extent of what you know about this woman. I'm waiting for the Travis Kelsey song to come out. That one's going to be a banger. That's going to be awesome. You don't see me you're like, yeah. Can't stand the Chiefs, yeah. But you don't know her. And, and here, the word of God has revealed himself to you. And yet we don't even take time to open it, to study it, to read through it, to understand it. We'd rather, well, I heard on this one podcast or I listened to this one movie or I saw this one video or this one pastor said on YouTube and it's like, why do you keep going third, fourth, fifth, sixth? That's like that kid in grammar school who's like, tell her she, I like her. <laughs> what did she say? I did that one time. I was like, tell her I liked it. And then they came back and said, she likes you too. I was like, really? And it was the wrong girl. I was like, no, it was the, it was the friend sitting next to her. Ah, it's got awkward. It's got awkward. But you know, we're married now, so no, just kidding. It was a joke. It's a joke. It's a joke. It's a, ooh. It's a joke. I hope Luca was hungry right now. I hope she didn't. I hope she didn't pay attention to that one. Jason, help me out. Where's the team? I'm getting too comfortable here. If you're going to love God completely, you need to know him completely. If you're gonna love him with your mind, you gotta know who he is. If you're gonna love him with your heart, 
You gotta make sure that heart's undivided. If you're gonna love them with your soul, you gotta make sure that that's where you're fully satisfied. If you're gonna love them with your strength, then you better use that strength to honor him. If you're gonna love him completely with everything, then it takes every single part of your being. But church, can I be honest with you this morning? Fully transparent? Everything I just laid out is really impossible for any one of us to accomplish. To love God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength all the time is not doable. As a matter of fact, that's what Jesus was trying to communicate to the expert of religious law. When he asked him, what's the most important commandment? Did you notice what Jesus said? He goes, well, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' response is, well, what does the law of Moses say? You're, you're a lawyer. You study the religious law. What does the law of Moses say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your soul, and all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, do that, and you'll live forever. Right? But that's impossible. To love God that way all the time, every day, every second, with everything in you, that was impossible. And that's what Jesus was pointing out. That it is impossible to fulfill the law in and of yourself. That we are helpless when it comes to being good enough to have a relationship with God. So what did God do? He gave the ultimate demonstration of loving with everything. When Jesus willingly gave up his own life on the cross just so that you and I can have a complete relationship with him. You see, the moment Jesus gave himself up and allowed us to have a relationship, the veil is torn, there's no longer a barrier of sin between us and God. And now through the Holy Spirit empowering us, we are able to love God completely. Because where we fall short, the Holy Spirit helps fill the gap. See, Jesus asks us to love God completely. And he is able to ask that of us because he loved us completely on the cross. He loved us with all his mind because he knew in his mind everything that he was going to endure and yet chose to give his life away in order to fulfill the law of death on the cross. He loved us with all his heart by enduring the cross until death. It's easy to assume what will happen, but the reality of that pain would have caused any of us to jump off immediately, and yet, even though he could have, he didn't. He loved us with all his strength when he showed his true strength and courage by enduring the cross publicly while the very people he was dying for laughed and cursed his name. He loved us with all his soul. When he loved us with uh, all his soul, when Christ committed his spirit, to the Lord and defeated death by going through it all so that we can be home together. Christ loves you completely. My question for you this afternoon is where are you not loving him? Where are you falling short? If you would do me a favor, I'd appreciate it if you would take out this communion cup. This little cup is the ultimate gesture of love. This little piece of bread and little cup of grape juice was the ultimate demonstration of Christ's complete love for you 
his mind, his soul, his strength, his heart, all of it unto you. Do me a favor, would you stand with me? Listen to what the word of God says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 through 26. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We don't do this just because it's something to do once a month. We do this to remind all of us of the sacrifice that was made for us to be able to freely worship the king, of the sacrifice that was paid for us to boldly go before the throne of grace and ask anything, of the sacrifice that was made for the veil to be torn and to no longer have a barrier between you and God. I'm not your mediator, Christ is. And now you have direct access to the living God because a gesture of love was demonstrated on the cross. And this is why Jesus said over and over again, do this in remembrance of me. Don't forget how much I love you. Don't forget how much I love you. When you're, when you're struggling and you're, and you're feeling in your feelings and you're, and you're going through doubt and, and all this discouragement, Jesus is saying, don't forget, I already proved my love to you. I've already shown you that. I'm just not sure if God loves me anymore. What? This proves that he'll always love you. Well, I've, I've messed up so much. It was all covered. Even the things you haven't done yet were already covered. I don't know if I'm worthy of his love. You never were. He did it because he chose to love you. It wasn't about your worthiness. It was about his worthiness. And he looked down on people like us. And his choice was to say, I love you. And I'm not just going to say it. I'm going to show it with everything. So in a moment, we're going to take this bread and this cup. I'm going to ask the worship team if you would just lead us in a song. And as we sing and as we worship, can you just take a moment and reflect on how deeply God loves you? Because when you understand that, loving him completely is not hard. It's just a response to the love he has for you. So church, would you just... Allow us now as we lead you in worship, reflect on his love.